1: Fifty-one. It's so important for us to learn because David didn't give any excuses for his sin. He said, I sinned against you. And it was me. It's not like, you know, Lord, you know, like Adam. Oh, Lord, you know, the woman you gave me. Oh, Lord, you know, if you didn't, if you would have helped me from going to that place, I wouldn't have sinned. I wouldn't have done those things. Oh, Lord, you know, that person is there for, but Lord, forgive me anyway. No, he stood up for his own sin. He repented. He did wrong.
0: David owned his sin in the Psalms. Have you ever done that? When you're caught in sin, do you try to make excuses, blame someone else, or do you acknowledge the depths of your own problems and the greatness of your need for a Savior? The good news is that you have a Savior available to you. All you need to do is own your sin and ask for forgiveness. Accept the sacrifice he made on the cross and begin to live for him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. As he continues his message, the sun is better than the angels.
1: with Downy Thomas after Jesus rose from the grave the disciples said you know Jesus was here he's alive and he said I would not believe until I handle him until I touch him and then all of a sudden Jesus appears to him and what does he say to Jesus in John chapter 20 verse 28 it says and Thomas answered and said to him my Lord and my God Jesus didn't deny it he didn't say wait 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 don't say that no he knew who he was he knew the messianic prophecies. Jesus is God. In Romans chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Of whom are the fathers? And from whom according to the flesh? Christ came, who is over all, the eternal blessed God. Amen. 1st John chapter 5 verse 20. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And I'll leave you one more. We know this passage when it comes to Christmas time. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is God. He is one with God. He is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God. And here he also mentioned the scepter, the, which is a rod, a staff. It speaks of his authority. Jesus is God and he has authority. Also speaks about his kingdom, which if he has a kingdom, that means he's a king. You can't, you know, a king has a kingdom. So Jesus is king, a king, Lord of the Lord. So Jesus is better because he's God. Number four, Jesus is better than the angel because he is anointed. He is anointed. Look at verse 9. He said, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you. Therefore God, your God, read that to those who don't believe Jesus Christ is God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your champions. He is quoting Isaiah 61 verse 1. And so God the Father calls his son Jesus Christ God. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you. You remember when Jesus was in the synagogue and in the synagogue, he read the prophecy concerning him preaching gospel to the poor. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? That passage. Now, what's interesting about that time when Jesus went to the synagogue, they would have the scrolls put in some large bin and all the scrolls would be there of all the books. And they would randomly take a scroll and give it to whoever's going to read the passage for the day. And it so happens to be that verse. That Jesus pulled out that verse and he says, right before your eyes, this prophecy is being fulfilled. He has been, because he has been anointed. Jesus is better than the angels, number five, because he is the creator. Let's look at verse 10. And it says, And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. So we have the Father declares Jesus Christ as the creator. Something that angels cannot do and has not done. He created all things. He's mentioning Christ as the son. He's mentioning Christ as now the creator. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. We looked at this twice. It says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 God who created all things through Jesus Christ John chapter 1 verse 3 all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominion, principalities or power all things, not some of the things, all things were created through him and for him And quite often the world thinks that Jesus was just a man. Oh, when did he come into the scene? Well, he came into the scene in the manger. He was born as a baby. No, he was there from the very beginning. He created the soil where his foot stood. He created the manger. He created the cross in which he was crucified. The hill in which the cross was placed on. He was there in the beginning. Before heaven and earth. He was the one there in the beginning that said, let there be light. Well, in the Hebrew is better. In the Hebrew, it goes like this. It doesn't say, let there be light, because it sounds like you're telling somebody to turn on the light switch. It was Jesus who said, light be, and light was. It was Jesus. When we get to heaven and we hear the voice of Jesus, it's going to be a voice like no other. It's going to be the same voice that was heard from the beginning of creation. The same voice that said, light be. Light be. Jesus is the creator. He didn't just come on the scene at the manger. No, he left His throne in glory. He came in the form of man, had to be born of a virgin, had to be pure. And he was born and he died on the cross and now he went back to his throne. So Jesus was always here. Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth. And that's why the father said it is through Jesus Christ that the earth was created. And let me tell you, God is still in the creating business, by the way. Everything that needs to be created is created, but God is doing a work in every man, woman, boy, or girl. God is creating new hearts, new hearts. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says, I will give a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It is God that changes heart his God is good. And if you if you read Psalm 51, I recommend that we all read Psalm 51. I did a study many years on it. But it's good to read Psalm 51. Psalms 51 is a prayer of repentance and asking God for forgiveness written by David. David, when he sinned and committed murder and had committed adultery with Bathsheba, he went before the Lord. And in that prayer, in that prayer of forgiveness in Psalm 51, it's so important for us to learn because David didn't give any excuses for his sin. He said, I sinned against you. It was me. It's not like, you know, Lord, you know, like Adam. Oh, Lord, you know, the woman you gave me. Oh, Lord, you know, if you didn't, if you would have held me from going to that place, I wouldn't have sinned. I wouldn't have done those things. Oh, Lord, you know, that person is there for, but Lord, forgive me anyway. No, He, he stood up for his own sin. He repented. He did wrong. But in that prayer, as he repents of his heart, he did wrong against God. In Psalm 51, verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God is in the creating business, and he's still working in us. Number six, Jesus is better than the angels because he is eternal. He is eternal. Let's look at verses 11 and 12 the writer writes this, says, they will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed, and he's quoting Psalms 102, verses 25 to 27, the universe will one day change, it's changing now, it always has changed, you know, it's something that the evolutionists, Don't understand what is the second law of thermodynamics is that everything gets old. I don't, I don't see anything in my garage or in my lawn or in my, I don't have much of a garden. I don't have a green thumb. Everything I plant dies, but everything gets old and everything gets died. And it just, that's just how it is. But Christ never changes. Christ never changes. And there will be a time when God is going to bring judgment in this world. And it's coming soon, very soon. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, Peter writes this, But the day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night. You won't even know it. In which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. God is going to judge this world, those who have rejected Jesus Christ. That's why Christ left his throne. That's why he was born in a manger to make a way where there wasn't a way. It was only through Jesus Christ. This world will melt with fervent heat. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, and it will. But my word will not pass away. So the word that Jesus will come and judge is true. It is coming because he said so. And it's everything that Jesus has spoken has come to fulfillment. Everything. And then he goes on at the end of verse 12. He says, but you are the same. You are the same. And your years will not fail. Everything around us will change, fade away. Jesus will never change. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. The writer writes this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Times have changed. Seasons change. We change. God doesn't change. We change our mind. We change our clothes. We change policy. We change culture. And we live in a world now where they want to change everything. They change the definition of everything. You can't call a cat a cat anymore. And I don't mean that in a joking way, but it's the truth. Everything that has a definition and a name, everything's being changed. And they expect all you Christians are, you know, uh, just old fashioned and you're just not being tolerant. You know, this is the new thing. No, God has not created it that way. That's not the way God created. He didn't create it that way. And they expect the word of God and Christians to be transformed to the world. It says, no, it's the world that needs to be transformed to the Bible. The Bible doesn't conform to the world, but the world conforms to the Bible. It is God who created man. It is God who created the trees. Who created everything in it. And who are we to tell God how to change things? Or oh, that God has to accept you for who you are. God loves you the way you are. He just refuses to leave you that way. That's why he went on the cross. We, things don't make sense anymore because they don't. Because God is not in the equation. God is not looked at. The word is being pushed aside. And we, we're finding all kinds of formulas and trying to find people. And, and all the changes that we do have, not only it causes confusion and chaos, but it hasn't solved the problem. It hasn't solved the problem. Why? Because we push God aside. It is God who was the one that brings righteousness. Love, peace. It's not worldly peace. It's not a worldly love. It's all been contaminated. No one knows what love is. And people find the old ways for love, but there's only love that comes through Jesus Christ. He created love. He is love. He doesn't carry love in his pocket. He is love. He created love. And how do we know that? We look to the cross. That's love. Love is the fact that from the very beginning, he created man out of his glorious image. Out of everything he created, he put everything he had in this. He created man, he created woman in the beginning. And he created out of God's glorious image. They were beautiful because they came out of the image of God. People are still beautiful today because it's out of the image of God. We're the ones that have our eyes that are tinted and darkened, that we can't see the beauty in people because why? We ourselves this are darkened we're not allowing the love of christ to flow and god created man to be a man and a woman to be a woman and we're changing that and we're changing the meanings and definition and we're trying to be politically correct instead of biblically correct god is the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change because the world changed god doesn't need to change god doesn't make mistakes he doesn't need to change his mind we're the ones that need to change We're the ones that need to surrender ourselves to Christ to have eternal life. You're not going to live forever. You know that. You know my survey. Ready? 10 out of 10 people, we all die. You're going to die from the last thing you get sick from. But it's what happens after you die. That's where eternity begins. Nobody knows how long they're going to live. There are teenagers that die in their teens. Babies that die. Babies before they've been born are being killed. And then you have people dying in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. It doesn't matter. Someone could live to be 150. I don't think anybody's ever lived at 150 at this stage for for maybe thousands of years. But you're going to die. 110 years is not eternal. Your soul is eternal. And that's what's important. You have a soul. Your body will fade away. You look beautiful now. Ten years, you're not going to look as beautiful. <laughs> I discovered that when I was 13. Not just kidding. <laughs> the reality is, God never changed. We change. But it's good to change in Jesus Christ. Because that change is eternal. So when you do die, you can stand before him, and you will bow to, to him, and you will confess him as your Lord and Savior, not as judge. There is a difference seven and finally, Jesus is better than the angels because he is the conqueror. He is the conqueror. Look at verse thirteen, but to which of the angels has he ever said, "Sit in my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool." This is God the Father speaking to the Son. He is quoting from psalms one ten Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 64, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. It is Jesus Christ who now sits, after he rose from the grave, he now sits at the right hand of God. Paul writes to the church of Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. I love that. Quite often we think, what is Jesus doing up there? (laughs) You know, what are you doing up there all those years, Jesus, since he rose from the grave, you know, about 33 AD? He's interceding for us. You know, we always ask for prayer, and it's good. We should pray. Listen, I I need a prayer. I'm going to start a new job, or I need a job, or I'm having trouble with my health, or, you know, we do pray. But here we have Jesus interceding for us. Interceding for us. Can you know? Jesus Christ, greater than angels, and later on we're going to see in Hebrews, he is greater than the high priest. He is interceding for you and I as we speak. As you speak. If, if you, you've been in the Lord some time and, and you're struggling with something, you have a weakness, for, them, he's interceding for you. He's interceding for you. If you don't know Jesus, he's interceding for you. He's, he's praying. The Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction and lead you to the cross and let you know, hey, you know, uh, there's an empty space in your heart and only Jesus can fill. He's interceding for us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, which Christ is seated at the right. He's sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and that's important, because again, the high priest, once a year, he would stay weeks in the holies, the holy place, because he didn't want to sin when he had to go into the holy of holies. And when he went to the Holy of Holies, he went on behalf of the nation of Israel. But there wasn't a chair in the Holy of Holies because work had to be done. Jesus is now seated in the heavenly Holy of Holies. Verse 14, so those are the seven reasons why Jesus is better and greater than angels. It's going to continue on to chapter 2, by the way, but time would not permit for us to go through that whole passage. Verse 14, it says... Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? It's a question. They're there to minister for us on our behalf. Christ is seated on the throne. They serve Christ and they serve us, they minister to us. Heirs of salvation today. And so we can see based on this passage that the writer of Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus is better than angels. Don't worship angels. Don't even look for angels to, for that matter. <laughs> you know, some people get all caught up with the supernatural and the miracles. And, you know, I don't know about you. I do not need a miracle. I do not need God to show me signs. I don't need anything God to do supernaturally. Why? Because I have the Bible. I believe him. That's enough. He doesn't have to prove anything to me. The Pharisees went to Jesus. Jesus, show us a sign. He says, a perverse generation seeks for signs and wonders. If you believe in Jesus and you believe the word, you don't need a miracle. You don't need a miracle to prove that he's God, that you belong to him. Now God still gives miracles. Don't get me wrong; He's healing people, and, and He's real, but trust in Him, not the miracles. Trust in Him. There is a quote. I don't know. It was the whoever quote is unknown, but he said, "To the unbeliever, to the unbeliever, no miracle is sufficient. To the believer, no miracle is necessary. No miracle is necessary." I have the word of God. I know where I'm going. I know where I stand in Christ. Am I perfect by far? I am not perfect. But it is because of the grace of God, it is because I place my faith in Jesus Christ. I repented of my sins. I am born again. I am I am new. I'm a new creation in Christ and is not you know, my righteousness is his righteousness. And now, because of Christ, I am complete positionally. I still have a lot of work that needs to be done. You can ask my wife, she'll tell you. <laughs> but I don't need the miracles, I don't need angels. I let God use the angels to do what he wants to do, I don't get in the way. If God allows me to experience it, see it, or see anything, not just it, so be it. But I don't need it. I have the word of God. I have his word. I believe. You remember this centurion soldier who went to Jesus and said, Jesus, my servant is home dying. He's sick. Jesus said, Okay, I'll go to your house. Jesus said, he said to Jesus, You don't need to come to my house. All you got to do is just say the word. And Jesus said, never in all of Israel have I seen anyone with such faith. I know who he is. I know where I stand in him because of his son, because of the cross. I know where I'm going. I don't need miracles. I don't need an angel. Jesus is better than angels. Amen.
0: Friends, we're so glad you decided to join us today Here on Running the Race. Fast Ready has been taking us through the book of Hebrews in a series titled, Jesus is Better. Within its pages, you hear about great people of faith. Do you feel like you could live a life like these great people of faith? You realize they weren't perfect, right? Our hope is that these messages are empowering you to see and believe that you can be a person of great faith too. One way to grow in your faith and understanding of God is by joining up with others who love and serve God. Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you.
1: We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit RunningTheRaceRadio.com and click on the Back to homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is RunningTheRaceRadio.com.
0: Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Hebrews. For today, our time has come to a close, but we'll be back again next time, and hope you will too. Come back to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of Hebrews, here on Running the Race.